Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. As a public service to distract you while you are on the treadmill or walking those 10,000 steps, this is the Hollywood and Levine Podcast, episode 13. I'm Ken Levine. Thanks very much for being here today. Well, I have a topic, a, a loosely based topic, pitching. Now, we are going to be talking about how you go about pitching your idea for a TV show, a movie, webisodes, a play, whatever it is. At some point, if you want to sell it, you're probably going to have to pitch it to somebody, a network, a producer, somebody with money, an actor, whatever. And there's a real art to pitching. And I've been fortunate enough that along with my partner, David Isaacs, over the years, uh, I have pitched and sold many pilots, many movies. And so today I thought I would give you some tips, some do's and don'ts about the art of pitching. There are some universities that actually have courses in this. Think of all of the tuition you are going to save just by taking notes. So we're going to be doing that. I'm also going to be sharing with you the worst pilot pitch David and I ever had. Just a helpful note, don't try to pitch a sitcom to a porn star. And, well, it's a different interpretation of the word pitch because pitch also refers to baseball. And baseball is coming back. It's just around the corner. We already have spring training. And so... I thought I would play Who's On First. Now, you've probably heard of Who's On First, but have you ever actually heard it, heard it in its entirety? It's pretty great. Abbott and Costello's Who's On First. That and much more, episode 13, and it's coming up right after this. Hollywood and Levine. If you're going to be a screenwriter or a TV writer, part of your job is going to be to pitch At some point, you're going to have to pitch your idea to a studio, a network, an agent, whatever. And it's a very different skill set from writing. There are some writers who are just terrible in a room, and then there are some writers who are just fantastic pitching their pilots, but they can't deliver. There really is an art to pitching, and so I thought I would uh, talk you through it a little bit, because remember... 
When you walk into that room, you're not a writer, you're a salesman, you are Don Draper. And the goal, of course, is to get the person that you're pitching to, whether it's an agent or a studio investor or whatever, you want to get them excited. I mean, it's way more than just spelling out the synopsis of your idea. You want to get them really worked up. So here are a couple of tips, and they apply specifically to pitching comedies, although I imagine most of the same principles will also apply to dramas and cooking shows. First, your appearance. Okay, guys, you don't have to wear ties, but do show some respect. Nice shirt, maybe a jacket. Don't show up at a network meeting in a workout suit, and I have seen this happen. Now, for me to give women fashion advice uh, is going to be like the Pope giving sex tips, so I'm not going to do that. But unlike guys, most women are smart enough to sort of know how to show up at CBS and not come up in sweats. Anyway, bring with you a beat sheet that has the salient points of your pitch. Don't bring a long presentation that you just read out loud. That's death. If they see your nose is buried in the paper going, and this is the story about a guy and he meets this girl and they're living in Iowa, you're dead. You're just dead. Have a beat sheet. You need to know enough about your pitch. You need to have enough of a command of the subject matter that, in a sense, you don't even need a beat sheet. You can just make that presentation off the top of your head. But it helps to have a beat sheet, you know, just to make sure that you cover all of the points. Now, you need to appear confident and relaxed. And, of course, that's very hard to do when you are in a network or a studio meeting and there's a lot of pressure attached. But you know what? It's actually easier than you think because those meetings always have this false sense of casualness. Everybody's breezy. There's usually like five minutes of charming chit-chat. How was your weekend? As if they give a shit how your weekend was. And you ask about their weekend. You don't even know who they are. Meanwhile, of course, inside you're just dying. And they are so sick of these meetings they could scream. But again, it's all smiles. And it will help put you at ease. As a general rule, I find it best, by the way, this is just a little tip for me, not to take a shot at them for not picking up your last pitch because that usually doesn't set the right tone. When you pitch, make eye contact with everybody. Now, usually there's going to be the alpha dog in the room. That's the VP of development, head agent, studio executive, whatever, and two to five executives that are these, you know, mousy people uh, writing down notes. Make eye contact with all of them. Now, some writers make the mistake of only playing to the big decision maker and ignoring everybody else. Okay, well, first of all, that's incredibly rude. And secondly, you want everyone on board. When you leave, they're all going to talk amongst themselves. You want them all excited. You know, the more people in your corner, the better. Hey, and guess what? You know, these assistants often go on to become alpha dogs themselves, and they have a real good memory for assholes. So make eye contact with everybody. Now, I've seen male writers only look at male executives and ignore the women. You cannot believe how they are loathed. Don't mumble. 
Don't say, you know, and like a thousand times. Don't stop every few minutes to refer to the beat sheet, to pause, wait. And and, uh, so they go to school at um, Berkeley, and they're in their um, first year. Uh, Have some command of the material. Okay, as for the pitch itself, rule number one, be enthusiastic. This is a killer idea. You are passionate about this one. To say, well, okay, I see a lot of vampire movies are selling. Uh, Why, I don't know. But anyway, here's my vampire movie. You know, it's basically saying, hi, I'm here to waste your time and mine. Be enthusiastic. Now, if you're pitching a movie, the rules have kind of changed. Producers and studios now generally want the whole thing worked out. You pretty much have to walk them through the entire picture. And if it's a comedy, you have to point out the block comedy scenes, jokes, even trailer moments, maybe even have a tagline for the one sheet. Start with the concept, why you think it's so great. You know, the area is completely unexplored. This is a relationship you have never seen before. I've found a way to do the sorrow and the pity, but make it really funny. A lot of times, too, when you're pitching movies, if you can refer to other movies, if you can mash up other movies, that's a big help. I remember when my partner David Isaacs and I sold uh, a movie to Columbia called Play by Play, which is a very fictional version of my life. It's about a TV comedy writer who goes off to the minor leagues to be a baseball announcer. We pitched it as Bull Durham meets Good Morning Vietnam, and that made it very easy for them. It was a very quick sale. It was great. And then we uh, went off to lunch at the smokehouse and uh, we're celebrating, and I turned to my partner and I said, well, what's the story? Anyway, eight drafts later, we're, we're still looking for it. Um, okay, I suggest that you rehearse your pitch, okay? Because uh, you can get lost pitching a movie, especially if you have to lay out everything. You have to be careful not to have unnecessary details while omitting things that are important. Confusing the buyer is not a good thing. Neither is boring the crap out of them. So if you've pitched for a half hour or you've pitched for a movie and you do a dry run two or three times, that's going to make you feel more confident and it's going to give you a chance to really hone down that pitch. Okay, another useful tip I have found when pitching movies, have Martin Scorsese attached and have him in the meeting with you. Now for television, if you can distill your series idea into a few lines, that is a great start. For the show Almost Perfect that David and I did with uh, Robin Schiff back in the mid-90s that starred Nancy Travis, this was basically our pitch. We said, this is about a single woman in her 30s having trouble in her personal life and trouble in her working life, and on the day she gets the job of her life, she meets the guy of her life, and both are full-time jobs. How does she balance both? CBS said, sold. They bought it right there. For comedy pilots, it's always a good idea to have a couple of jokes in your pitch. And this is very important, very important to remember. Don't worry if they don't laugh. Some network executives are great audiences 
and others, it's like playing tennis against a blanket. But just plow forward, because the network executive that's not laughing oftentimes buys the show anyway. That's just who they are. They're not great laughers. And we've had ABC rolling in the aisles, and they pass. Of course, ABC is pretty much passed on anything that we do. But still, the idea is just plow forward because it's not about getting the laughs. Sometimes they just process it and they say, oh, okay, yeah, I see where that's funny. I see where that's funny. Yeah, that's a good idea. But they're not laughing. And you think they hate it. Not necessarily. Okay, one more note about uh, pitching jokes. Don't you laugh hysterically at them. Okay, boy. Does that reek of desperation? So you spell out your concept, what the series is about. The network wants to know if the idea has legs. So you kind of give them an idea of where the series might be going. Uh, We were once in a pitch meeting and uh, a network executive who later went on to become a network president. but He was just an executive at the time. And he said, okay, what is episode one of season seven. And I said, the clip show, showing highlights of all the classic episodes that went before. I don't know. The fuck you're going to answer a question like that? Anyway, have some idea of where the series might go. Give some quick sketches of the characters. Again, sprinkle in some laughs and use prototypes. That kind of helps, even though you're not going to get them. You could say, okay, this is a guy, picture Justin Timberlake. Uh, Okay, this is a girl, uh, picture Elizabeth Banks. It helps them visualize what you're going for. Have about four or five stories. All you need are brief summaries. You know, just enough for them to kind of get an idea. Then after you've run down your pitch, the network will generally start asking you a few questions. This is a good thing. You want to keep the ball in the air as long as you can. As long as the questions aren't the fact that they're like hopelessly confused. That that would be bad. But the more they talk about the idea, the more you can involve them, the more excited you can get them, the better. And a pitch should be about 20 minutes. Again, it shouldn't be so rehearsed that it's memorized, but 20 minutes, go in knock them dead. Uh, Some writers use props and visual aids. Do that at your own peril. Uh, One time, David and I were pitching Fox, and uh, this is a a pilot that we were told that this producer had uh, a commitment already. And so we kind of attached ourselves to it, and uh, we're going in. This was right after lunch. And it involved food. The idea of the series involved food. And he shows up with boxes of barbecued ribs and beans and chicken and all this food. I said, what's this for? And he says, well, we'll bring this in and, and they can eat this barbecue food while we do our pitch. And I said, this is a terrible idea. I said, get rid of it. Let's not bring that food in. And he said, hey, I've been a producer for a long time, kiddo. I know what I'm doing. Okay, we walk into Fox with all this 
greasy barbecue food. And I mean, it's just, just the grease is like soaked through the boxes already. And the executives are like appalled. Again, first of all, it's, it's after lunch. No one's hungry. And uh, the head of development at Fox was vegan. <laughs> so this was just such a bad idea. And her office probably still smells of those beans today. And I don't have to tell you that the pitch was an utter disaster. Uh, so again, use props at your own peril. Um, and uh, finally this, when you're done with their pitch and they go, okay, that sounds good. Let us talk about it. We'll get back to you. That's your cue to say, thank you, get up and leave. Shake hands, say goodbye, thank them. That's it. Don't keep pushing. Don't suddenly remember something else about the character that uh, you forgot to mention. You know, make your pitch, get in. When they ask you to leave, leave. And like I said, pitching is an art, but unlike the ability to write, it really can be learned and practiced and perfected. And then there's this. You can have the greatest pitch in the world. You can be Oprah Winfrey. You can be George Clooney. You can be the juice man all rolled into one. But if the idea itself is shit, it is not going to sell. And likewise, a great idea can sometimes survive even a subpar pitch. But most ideas are somewhere in the middle. And that is until you step into the room and blow them away. Best of luck. Make Don Draper proud. Comedy writers love to just sit around in delis and trade war stories. And one of our favorites, this usually gets a good reaction, is the worst pilot meeting that my partner David Isaacs and I ever had. And this was back in 2001, 2002, somewhere in that neighborhood. And at the time, we had a blind pilot deal with a studio, which meant that the studio was going to pay for us to write a pilot. And we were at that stage where we were looking around for an idea. And this was also the time when networks were really flailing comedy-wise and looking for anything different. I remember the Osbournes was a, a, a big hit on cable, Ozzy Osbourne and his moronic family. And so networks thought, well, it might be kind of fun to take real people and build shows around them. So we get a call to uh, meet with the president of the studio, and he has a great idea for a sitcom. Apparently, he had heard through the grapevine that Tracy Lords was looking to get into television and wanted to do a situation comedy. Now, for those who don't know, Tracy Lords was a porn star, a very big, a very popular porn star in the mid-80s, and her career was just going through the roof until it was discovered that she was underage. At that point, her career was over and all of her movies were taken off the market. Although I imagine two or three clicks on the internet and you can pretty much find any one of them. But still, at the time, 
Tracy Lords was, you know, persona non grata. Over the next few years, she wrote her autobiography. She did a couple of cameos in movies and TV shows, more as a kind of novelty uh, to have Tracy Lords. And uh, so now we're at a point where Tracy Lords wants to do a TV series. So David and I are thinking, really, do we want to, well, the expression, get in bed with Tracy Lords, and when you put it that way, sure, but uh, do we want to be in business with Tracy Lords? We actually came up with a pretty funny, goofy idea for a show, so we called the uh, studio prez and said, okay, we'll meet with Tracy Lords. We have an idea. So the meeting was set up, and we go down and meet with her at her manager's office. And she's very pleasant, still look pretty good, you know, just very pleasant and cordial. And we pitch our idea, which is essentially, we called it the Tracy Lord Family Show. And the thrust was very simply Tracy Lord's trying to go legit and how hard it is to live down your past when you were a porno star and how hard it is to gain respect at the PTA or wherever if you are a former porn star. We thought it was kind of funny, and we had some other funny characters, and um, we pitched this to Tracy Lords. And um, she had some problems with it, um, and she started lecturing us on comedy. This is what works in comedy. This is what doesn't work in comedy. Tracy Lords is lecturing us in comedy. Uh, this is the kind of a joke that will get a laugh. This is the kind of a thing that won't work. I mean, we were just completely gobsmacked. We were just sitting there listening to this. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, this is the nadir of my professional career. I mean, I think back 15 years ago, and even though the show only lasted one season still, I was producing and creating a series for Mary Tyler Moore, arguably the queen of network television comedy. And at the same time, she's getting gangbanged by seven guys wearing masks, and yet she is lecturing me. Well, David and I pulled out as it were. Uh, we ended the meeting rather quickly. Uh, we walked out of there, and both of us thought, man, where has our career gone <laughs> that, that we have to take a meeting with Tracy Lord? Now, if you are a university and you are looking for a professor to teach comedy, she is certainly available. <laughs> One of the funniest comedy sketches is Who's On First by Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello were a couple of comics that got together back in the old vaudeville days, and eventually they went on to make movies and a TV show, but they are probably most famous for this one routine. It started in vaudeville in the 30s. It was first heard on a national radio show, and it kind of became their signature piece. And with the start of baseball season, I thought I would play it for you because a lot of people know about it, but very few have actually heard it 
in its entirety. So here, all the way through, and it's really, really funny, is Abbott and Costello's Who's On First. Well, Costello, I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yanks manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Abbott, if you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know, I, mean, I never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you their names, but you know, strange it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean and... His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. I'm their French cousin. French? Gouffet. Gouffet Dean. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's name? Oh, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. <laughs> Look, you got a first baseman. Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets the That's money. That's it. Who gets the money on he first base? He does, every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's wife? Yes. <laughs> That. Look, all I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name to the Who? contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his That's name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. <laughs> all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players. I'm right. not changing nobody. Take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Name on first no, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Oh, he's on third. We're not talking about him. Now, let's forget about him. Now, how did I get on third base? Why, you mentioned his name. If I mentioned a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. <laughs> Now, who's playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? What am I putting on third? Uh, what is on second? You don't want who on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third, third base? base. <laughs> Look, you got outfield? Sure. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? I'm not. Stay out of the infield. <laughs> I want to know what's the guy's name in left field. No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third, third base. <laughs> Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. He is field. <laughs> well look, 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 look. You got a pitcher on a team. Sure. The pitcher's name. Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, then man. Go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow? You're going to tell me who's pitching. Now, listen. Who is not pitching? I'll who break is... your arm, you say. Who's on first? <laughs> I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Got a catcher? Certainly. The catcher's name. Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitcher. Now you've got it. All we got is a couple of days on the team. You know, I'm a catcher, too. So they tell me. I get behind the plate, do some fancy catching. Tomorrow's pitching on my team, and a heavy hitter gets up. Yes. Now, the heavy hitter bunched the ball. When he bunched the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw the ball at first base. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. <laughs> Somebody's got to get it. Now, who has it? Naturally. Who? Naturally. Naturally? Naturally. 
So I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. No, you don't. You throw the ball in a hole. Naturally. That's different. That's what I said. You're not saying that. I throw the ball in naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. Listen. You ask me. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Now you ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's Same it. as you. <laughs> don't change your mind. Same as you. I throw the ball to who? Whoever it is drops the ball and the guy runs a second. Yes. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to, I don't know. I don't know, throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caught. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. Well, what? I said I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I'm in it. Come on. <laughs> See, I told you it was funny. Avin Costello's Who's On First. Okay, that is going to do it for episode 13 of Hollywood and Levine. Our thanks to Adam Butler, Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, and John Wolfert, and, of course, to you for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, please do. And if you could see it in your heart to give this podcast a five-star review, that would be welcomed as well. So baseball season is beginning, and as a lot of you know, I used to be a Major League Baseball announcer. Next week, I will embarrass myself by actually playing a sample of me calling baseball play-by-play. That and a whole lot more. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.